Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, this show was recorded before the polls closed for the midterm elections. And so the conversation upcoming between Jonathan and I is really one at the 50,000 foot level of what is at stake and what we do the day after and the day after that. And here's what I want to impart upon folks. And I know I say often on this show that, you know, I hold about a mustard seed of hope. And to be honest, that's really not true. I've been kind of thinking about my relationship to hope and my relationship to faith over the last couple of months, but truly the last couple of years. And the thing is, I do this work on Woke AF with my other show, Democracy-ish, writing and spending time on social media platforms because I truly believe in the promise of this country. I really do. I believe that it can be better than what the founding fathers have even, even framed. I believe that there is a lot that is good here. And I remember, you know, naively when I was younger, I remember President Bill Clinton saying that there is more that is right with America than that is wrong. And there is nothing that can't be fixed about America with what is right about America. I remember Barack Obama when he became the talk of the town at convention, talking about the fact that there are no red states and there are no blue states. There are just the United States. The reason why I went into politics was because I believe that all people in this country should be treated with dignity and respect and have the opportunity to access their version of the American dream without oppression, without degradation or dehumanization. And so I've made it my mission in order to wake people up to their power. It isn't just about waking people up and to live in a state of rage all the time, but it is to understand 
that we are powerful. Your vote is powerful. Your voice is powerful. And if it wasn't, then people wouldn't be working overtime to try and silence you and to try and throw out the thing that makes this country great, which is our ability to choose our elected officials, the ability to live in a country that is governed for and by the people. We have lost sight of that. We have become complacent. We have allowed our elected officials to become complacent and to become the fucking proxy of corporate America. And so what I am saying is that regardless of where things stand, right, whether there's a red wave or a blue wave, the reality is, is that we need to wake the fuck up before we all drowned, right? Before we all drown in their ideas of what America should be. We are the ones with the power. We are the ones with the vision. We are the ones that know what is best for ourselves. And for too long, we put up these representatives because we believe that they knew more than we do. The fucking reality is, is that if you see the slate of Republican candidates, you know good goddamn well, you know a hell of a lot more than they do. And you care a hell of a lot more than they do. So folks, what I need us to get to a place of after we rest, after we wipe away tears and wipe our brows, right? And stretch our sore backs and hands from dialing and, and campaigning and canvassing and doing all the things is that I need for you to hearken back to those that fought for freedom and equality and justice that they would never see. This is not about us anymore. And once we remove our egos and our need for immediate gratification away, then we see a bigger picture, right? We see what is actually possible because possibility doesn't come from a place of scarcity. It comes from a place of abundance. It comes from understanding that we can do the audacious things if we decide to be audacious. And what fear does, what fear does is shrink us into being afraid of our own fucking shadows, our own neighbors across the street or next door or above us or below. That's what Republicans want. They want us living in fear of ourselves and everybody around us. And only they alone can come in and save the day with their fucking law and order. Their law and order and their values are bullshit. And we know that. So at this time, dear friends, we must hold steadfast to who the fuck we are and how we want to show up. Because regardless whether the outcome is good, bad, or indifferent, there is still work to be done because this union is not yet perfect and it is each generation's responsibility to perfect it to the best of our ability and then pass on the baton. And right now we're doing a shit fucking job because we have polluted waters. We have crumbling schools and we have a white supremacist national party that is working to assume power. And here's the thing. We know that every time that we make progress, that there is white lash. Every single time that we move the needle further, that we bend that arc a little more, there is always backlash. This ain't nothing new. But the question, and this came from Anand, who you'll hear from later in the week, 
The question is how long, how long will the white lash be? Because following the civil war, we had reconstruction. Reconstruction only lasted 12 years. And then following that reconstruction, we had Jim Crow for about a hundred. So it isn't about what that backlash is going to be because that's going to be expected because these are the ancestors. These are the fucking people whose ancestors were standing in front of public schools because they didn't want integration, right? These are the same people that held up bats and were beating queer people for daring to live their lives out in the open. These are who these people have always fucking been. They ain't dying off. They're like motherfucking gremlins. So what is being asked is for persistence, is for vigilance, and is for hope. And to have faith that the work that we're putting in will have impact. If there's nothing else to be taken from this time, win or lose, it is that we took our eye off the ball. We just assumed that democracy was something that would just continue because it had for over 200 and some odd years. But things don't just continue without hard work. We don't always get to see the fruits of that labor, but we plant the seeds anyway. Coming up next, my conversation with our friend, our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl. Hey, I'm David Plotz of Slate's Political Gab Fest. As another election season accelerates, it can be tricky to sort through all the noise in the news. Each week on the Gab Fest, John Dickerson, Emily Bazelon, and I decipher the headlines, break down the races, and tell you what issues really matter. We do not always agree. We definitely do not always agree. But we always deliver thoughtful debate, and we always have a good time. So subscribe to Slate's Political Gap Fest. New episodes every Thursday. Folks, you know that whenever we have the opportunity to talk to our good, good friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, we are always pleased. Jonathan, um, at the time of this recording, we don't know uh, the official outcome of uh, the midterm elections. And frankly, even if we were recording this a week from the election day, we may not know. Um, But I want to start off today with just kind of, you know, taking your temperature. You have been on a media junket mad dash spreading the good good word about the danger that we are in um about what people need to be paying attention to the thing Jonathan that you know that I always appreciate about you is that you try and weave in optimism you try and weave in hopefulness while also sounding the alarm so I just, you know, again, folks, as we're as we're talking right now, um, the polls have not even closed yet, um, but I want to get a sense of how you're feeling. I'll share how I'm feeling and then we'll talk about, you know, where we go from from here. Well, I think if I had to say, again, not knowing the outcome, I heard a rumor that Trump got every single vote, but I can't confirm it um, until we know for sure. Um but I would say if there's a if there's a silver lining to all this, mm-hmm. it does seem like there are an awful lot of people voting and mm-hmm. it does feel like people are paying attention. I mean, as you and I have been talking about. A lot of bad stuff's been happening. People, 
understandably are living their lives and just trying to stay afloat right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the reason we're in this pickle right now is because January 6th happened and the Republicans doubled down on running for every school board, every um, election monitoring, every single thing. And Democrats, God love them, um, were not were not that as engaged. I mean, the the Republicans really saw this as a power grab moment, and we were doing other things. I mean, certainly, you know, saving the economy is important, and stimulus money is important. All those kind of things, but we were not focusing in the place where the change was really happening. And I think if we had to do it again, um, you know, the minute all these people were storming stu- school boards, we should have like storm back with our own people storming the school boards. And we, if they were running for a crazy election post, we should have been running our own person for that election post. So I just think we, we gave up on the local government angle of this too much. And I, I think that's really the issue. But I'd say that the optimism is right now, there are a lot of people who appear to be engaged and paying attention. And hopefully that's something we can sustain, um, at, you know, going forward. You know, um, I, I, there, I think that there is actually a lot um, to take away uh, from this moment. I think one, Jonathan, is that we oftentimes, and we, I'm talking about the big we, Democratic Party we, um, not you and I, but um, we in the Democratic Party often, you know, play this game from election to election, from candidate to candidate. And what I heard the other day, and I keep saying this because I like to get folks' reaction, is that you know, former Senator Doug Jones uh, from Alabama. And if you remember, he was placed into the Senate uh, in a midterm election uh, because of black women voters in Alabama, not because of the investment that had been put in by the DNC or the DSCC, the uh, um, the, the big uh, establishment funders uh, in order to win his campaign. And he said this, he said, the Democratic Party is too vested in candidates and not a movement. They move from candidates to candidates as opposed to here is who we are. Here are our values as Democrats, right? And this is and this is who, regardless of the name that is on the ticket, this is what they stand for. And I wanted to get your reaction to that because I also thought, you know, we in as Democrats, we love to fall in love with our candidates. We want to fall in love with them. We want to have a beer or a glass of wine with them. We want to hang out with them. And I don't necessarily think that we need to take our democracy like we do dating, frankly. Right. This is so I want to get your reactions to what he said. Well, I think that it's not like we have to agree on an issue. I mean, I certainly don't think that the Republicans all agree on an issue. Um, I think the Republicans agree on the importance of power. And mm-hmm. so it's more like if somebody may or may not agree with us about this one issue, but the idea of like, I mean, Republicans understand what it means to take over the judiciary. And I feel like with all this noise, there have been two people on on television who have been warning about this for the past two years. Us. We've been saying this shit, for <laughs> years, you know. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Like, where's everybody been? We've been saying this shit forever. And so I just think that, um, I think that it's, it's not even like everybody agrees on one issue. It's more like 
oh, that person doesn't agree with me about fill in the blank issue. Therefore, I, I'm not going to blah, blah, blah with them. And that it's more like um, the bigger goal is not this one issue. And so I just think that because the Democrats aren't going to agree on energy policy, they're not going to agree on Middle East policy. Um, I think that if the bigger goal is not just like we're all on board with one agenda, that's not going to work for the Democrats. Um, but but the Republicans, the bigger goal is to control the judiciary. It's not about any one particular issue. And I don't think the Democrats see that. They see it as a bunch of different interests that are mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. whatever. So again, like because I'm not optimistic that there could be one slate that everybody who identifies as a Democrat would agree on. I don't think that's there. There is no core value set, really. But I do think if the goal is like, OK, look, as you and I've been saying, the goal is to have people in in positions of power who are going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I just think of how many Democrat candidates have been picked apart because of one particular issue. And and really, it's more that Democrats don't ever see the bigger picture or they don't see it often enough. So I, I want to push back a little bit because I, I wrote a piece um probably a couple of weeks ago now for the Daily Beast. And the piece was on patriotism and yes. the fact that we seed patriotism, we've seeded freedom, liberty, um, family values, right? All to the far right. And language matters, particularly when you're trying to persuade people from one point of view to the next. So when you say, you know, there's not a slate of things that we can agree on, and I agree with you to that point, but couldn't the banner of freedom be that thing that we are coalescing around? Because frankly, you know, from, from healthcare to public education to the formation or not forming a family is based around the idea that you have freedom. You have choice in this country. And so rather than use the word of choice, we take the word freedom back from them. And then whether you're going in front of a uh, a climate audience, or you're going in front of a school board, or you're going in front of, you know, a, a, a medical board or what have you, that the, uh, what you're carrying with you, right. And what you're weaving in is this idea of freedom. Is that not something that you think that we can coalesce around because we've seeded that conversation and allowed these red hat, you know, rabbit racists to claim that, to claim that mantle. I mean, I guess the question would be, do you feel like defending democracy was enough, was concrete enough for people to mobilize around? But that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't because I'm when I say freedom, I'm not just talking about democracy versus fascism. I'm literally talking about your freedom to live the life that you want to live, that your family wants to live. And I think that there are so many ways to weave in whatever issue or interest area you want to under this larger pattern of Americans, we're about freedom, right? The freedom to live, the freedom to choose. Like, and you can run down that list, but we don't talk in that way. We don't speak to the electorate in that way. And I wonder if you think in all of the ways in which you have talked to people, particularly those in, uh, in, in the middle and then these red states and in these rusted areas, you know, patriotism and freedom, I think, is something that would resonate with them. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'll give you a, a counterexample to that, which mm -hmm. I think is pretty interesting. Um, 
the minute New York election was on the, I mean, it seemed absurd that the New York governor election was going to be about crime um, because crime is way lower in New York than it is here in Tennessee. And New York actually, for all the crap, has actually been doing pretty good. Uh, subway ridership is, as of last month, back up to the pre-pandemic levels. Um, the more people who come back, the more people there are around. Um, so this idea of like New York as a burning hellscape with immigrants running around with mattresses and all this crazy stuff. Um, you know, but the thing is, there are all these great things about New York, right? I mean, New hmm. York, as you and I have talked about, could you run? I mean, I just feel like New York, New York didn't fight back and say, hey, here's what's great about New York. And here's right. what we're fighting for is the ability to have like 10 million people living in a dense urban area and bike lanes that go everywhere and mm -hmm. you can get a train anywhere at night, like just to make that cool or something. I understand. Yeah. Like this, I mean, I, I know Zeldin was trying to, he wasn't, he didn't give a crap about New York. He's trying to scare people in the suburbs that. Black exactly. Who never, who don't live, who don't yeah. live and yeah. don't have a daily understanding of what it is like what the beauty that yeah. you described last week of being able to bike from one borough to the next and like where in, where in the country, where, you know, can you do that other than in New York safely? And so, you know, Obama framed the election as hope and that was a guiding principle. I just felt like New York was caught so flat footed that it, even New York had a hard time articulating. And it's not just some random BS, like New York actually has a relative degree of safety compared to other cities uh it has public transportation it has i don't know as you know i go to the airport every week it takes me 19 minutes from atlantic terminal to jfk airport mm, on the long island mm -hmm, railroad it costs seven dollars and 75 cents when i go to the airport here in nashville it's 50 bucks and i'm stuck in traffic for two hours new york i can take long island railroad atlantic terminal to jamaica for less than 10 bucks and it always is 19 minutes so I just think, you know, if you're flat footed all the time, you're not kind of selling all the stuff. And so I just I just think that I don't know, I, I guess freedom is awfully abstract to me. But I do think that. Here's what we're fighting for in New York and then these kind of examples and make it concrete and not just New York, but across the country. I, I would like to think that. I mean, I don't know. What's your sense? Because for me, like these Zelda ads by the end, they were just embarrassing. Like you. Maybe yeah. the first time you were hurt, you heard it and it was like, oh man, somebody trying to jack my shit. Um, but like after 30, after 30 times of hearing, hey, somebody's trying to jack your shit. And then you're like, um, this is embarrassing, dude. Um, and so, but there was no counter, right? There was no counter. So right. it's more like playing offense on, on these things that no, wasn't but there. I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics hosted by Ashanti Goler, the president of Emerge. BGG is the one-stop shop for women of color who want to hear and talk about the world of politics. Join Ashanti this season as she talks to incredible women of color who are changing the face of politics and tackling some of the most important issues facing the United States. From reproductive justice to voting rights to climate change and more. Tune in every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. I think that all of the things that you lift up as opposed to being in a reactionary posture, meaning that the Republicans and a Zeldin say, 
the cities are filled with crimes and undocumented people and disease and all of the whatever rhetoric that they're using. Democrats' normal response is, no, it's not. And then to tell you all the ways in which they're going to be tougher on crime and they're going to be this, that, and the other thing. And what you're saying is, why can't we just lift up what's good? Why can't you just lift up the reason why New York City is one of the beacons and most traveled places in the world, right? That the place is, you know, yeah, the rent is too damn high here, but it's because everyone wants to be here. And why is that? Because of the offerings that it has. You know, the other day I was, I had decided to take an evening walk. I watched the sunset over the city, walk back home to my block. It's, you know, it was before daylight saving, so it's pretty dark outside. I can tell you that I have never felt unsafe in my neighborhood. I have never felt unsafe um, when I'm traveling around the city. And so his idea of this violence and, I mean, the thing that has bothered me is that there is a lack of a plan for the homeless in New York and that when people left the subways, there people have set up full, you know, homeless condominiums in the cars, right? And so there was a lack of a plan to to deal and to help those people and to mitigate that issue. Um, but again, that wasn't about crime. And so I think that the counter to these 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 the antics that Republicans like Zeldin use is to be like, show me the pictures of how you actually want to live. Hey, Tennessee, wouldn't it be great if you didn't sit in traffic for two hours to just get to, you know, a mode of transportation? Wouldn't you like to be able to bike to work um, and, 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 and send off your kids and, and, and feel comfortable doing so? And instead of it being this reactionary about how tough you are to show like how great it would be if we all had the access to these things. And I love your framing of that. And I think that that is where Democrats have missed the boat this time around. But to me, it doesn't mean that there isn't an opportunity because I, uh, this is the, this is why people have been texting me all day, Jonathan, and probably the same with you and asking you, how are you feeling? How are you doing today? It's election day. How are you doing? How are you feeling? And I got to be honest, I feel fine. And why do I feel fine? Why am I not filled with anxiety and stress and pulling my hair out? Because I know regardless, I'm waking up tomorrow to fight for freedom. Regardless of what happens, I'm waking up tomorrow and I'm doing the same work to try and wake people up to their power. And that this is a long haul movement, right? And, you know, if, if Republicans take over, yeah, the work is going to be harder, but it's always been hard. Right. And that that's kind of my reality, because if you, if it's like if we're pinning our hopes and dreams on one election or the other, then we're always going to be in a place of devastation. And that's not where power comes from. Right. I mean, you know, it's an interesting proposition because I do. Are people burned out on on all this stuff? Quite possibly. Um, you know, could we do for America what we're talking about doing for New York, which is like, hey, here's what's cool about America. Um, and then kind of make the other side uncool by nature of you being cool. Now, I don't know how you're feeling. I, I kind of really can't see Biden running again, to be honest. Um, and, and if that's the case, then the Democrats will have the chance to reset. Um, again, I have no inside information. I just, 
don't know. The cards seem like it's probably time for, like there might be a change. That's just my feeling. I'm, you know, and so whatever happens, the the Democrats have a chance maybe for a reset, but it's it's also, I don't know. There's so much like crap going on with just the machinery of elections that it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, I think that it's all going to take a lot of work. I don't know if Biden is going to run again. I can't imagine that he won't, barring some type of like medical disaster. I don't see him seeding and saying like, oh, I'm not going to run. And then we open up the clown car of a primary to figure out who is going to come up uh, behind him. Um, there was a an awful, it was funny, but it was like also sad SNL skit that was all about the Democrats going back to the same people over and over again to be the champions of this party. And it's just like, you know, I, I don't foresee anything different than what they've been doing. But what I'm saying is that people can do things that are different, right? Like we have to be the ones that are challenging these people to be different. And it doesn't, we can't just care about our freedoms every two and four years. And then the time in between, we just kind of throw up our hands or bury our heads in the sand. Like that's, we're, we've lost that privilege because we hadn't been vigilant this entire time about the courts, about our democracy. So the privilege of just walking around dazed and confused is over. And that's kind of what I want people to take away from this midterm is that like, yeah, not being engaged or saying politics isn't for you, that time has passed. Yeah, I mean, you know, remember, like, and it's not even like democracy or equality. Like, remember when all these people were storming the school boards, demanding no more books and stuff like that? Um, when they were burning the books on, on yeah. top of burning masks? Yes. And, and you and I were saying, like, where's the counter to that? So mm -hmm. it's not like, but like, where were the 10,000 people out there in support of having lots of books in the library? You know what I mean? Like, it's not even like, it's got to be some one thing, but it just feels like one, there's no counter to a lot of this stuff that is about daily life also. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to know what we know by tomorrow when the show ends right now, we're obviously mm -hmm. talking into a, it, it, when the show airs, obviously we're talking to a vacuum right now, but um, yeah. So, you know, let with the last minute or so that we have, if, Democrats are able to squeak out a win. What do you think we do next? I don't think they're going to squeak out a win. I mean, maybe I'm say, like, I'm this is devil's advocate, Jonathan. Oh, yeah, that's true. Good point. Um, I think corrupt all the voting machines and, uh, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think, um, I just have a feeling that people are awfully burned out on all this crap. And I feel like if there was some reasonable way to come back towards some kind of middle ground that is even possible. Um, I don't know. It's just like, you're not going to out Trump Trump um, or DeSantis or whoever, but it does seem like it does open up a space to like, I don't know. Maybe that's too hopeful, but that that is kind of my feeling. I mean, even the right wingers I interview, they're like, I mean, I, I do think a lot of people are afraid right now. And so I don't know, but I know the negative affect always 
takes the air out of the room. So, but yeah, but I, I, I do feel like the root, the, the, the tack is to the center, not to the extreme. I feel like if what happens after this election is it's Marjorie Taylor Greene against AOC for, for the next three decades, then the Democrats are just going to be a perennial protest party. So I don't know. That's my feel. How would you answer that question? How I answer it is that, you know, people need to understand that our rights and, and, and privileges that we have in this country don't go by election cycle. And the reality is, is that, you know, I, I am going back to, and I continue to say this on Woke AF and every other show that I'm on, that I'm going back to the roots of abolition. They had an audacious idea about abolishing the founding economy of this country after centuries of watching enslaved human beings beat down, broken apart, terrorized, and murdered and raped for centuries. And they had this audacious vision to end it. And what, would, what, what, could we, what could we do instead? And they kept at it. And they did not, for those that were fighting, those that were free and those that were enslaved, for those that were fighting, they were fighting for something that they would never see. And so I kind of need people to pull themselves, and this is me saying this, to pull themselves out of marinating in the misery and start to think about what they are going to do to recharge and refocus and think not inside of their own egos about the immediate gratification about what they want to see, but what they want their legacies to be. Yeah. That's where I want people to think. That's what I want the tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and the day after that to be about. Because it cannot be just about what we need in this moment. Because what we need no longer matters. You know, if let's just say for conversation's sake, Biden doesn't run again, mm-hmm. it will be an opportunity for the Democrats to define their values. I, I think that, you know, th- there's that opportunity. Um, so, you know, again, who knows what this opportunity will be and who knows what will happen. But if that's the case, it does seem like something like that might come up organically. But again, you know, I don't want to, not trying to push anybody out the door who's the president of the United States. With that, Jonathan, by the time that this airs, we still probably will have no idea um, where things lie. But I hope that folks that are listening to this recognize and start to think about where their fight is going to lie, regardless of the outcome of this election. It may be easier. It may be much harder. But regardless, we're still going to have to fight. And that's just the reality of what it means to be um, part of a democracy. It doesn't just happen. Thank you, dear friend, for making the time to join us. We appreciate you. My pleasure. See you guys. That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF, as always. Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 
right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 